right. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Cruise Life Experience podcast. And thanks for taking the time to listen to us today or watch if you're watching this on YouTube. It is Cruise Director Mitch. Yeah, and Cruise Director Mike. Hey, what's happening? How are you today? I'm getting whiter by the day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first of all, we want to thank everybody for tuning back in. And if this is your first time, this is a fun and lighthearted approach to our podcast where we're going to talk about all things cruising, the industry, all kinds of fun stuff, and some great interviews past and present. we got a great show lined up for you here today. We're going to talk all about what a cruise director does and how the new large ships are changing the duties and responsibilities of a cruise director and how some cruise lines have even recently changed their management styles of what the cruise director does. We're also going to dive in why cruise ships are not flagged or registered in the United States, as this has been uh, big in the news lately. And also today, we have two special guests, one of which who is one of our all-time favorite comedians and also an award-winning author for his series titled You Just Have to Laugh, David Naster, who, uh, how you can laugh at life's difficult moments. And uh, of course, we could use a little bit of that right now, eh? Sure can. Well, let's get things started with how and what a cruise director does. And, and this has changed, Mitch, over the years. In the 70s and 80s, the role of a cruise director was a lot different than what it is now. A lot of times back in those days, the cruise director was part of the ensemble or would have their own, whether it's vocal show or comedian type show, they were a part of the entertainment. Whereas now in the past, you know, 15 years or so, that is really geared more into the cruise director truly being the entertainment leader and the head of the division on board the ship, the business owner, if you will. And uh, they're more expected to have the polished and seeing skills, but not necessarily needing to have those talents or those extra shows as you would, at least with the major lines. Exactly. It's uh, changed a lot. And I mean, there's still some cruise lines that have still have that old defined role. And I think Viking is uh, one example where uh, they still have to have their own show. They still do it. And you'll still find a lot of cruise directors that are great at uh, singing, dancing and doing that, but it's not like it used to be. I am not great at singing or dancing, as can be evident in any of our theme nights on board the ship. Um, but, I, but I will here. tell you. I try, though. Yeah, but the Oasis class really has changed uh, what they do. Because, you know, on the smaller class of cruise ships, the entertainment division might be, you know, 50 people, 60 people, 70 people even. And on the Oasis class of ship, you're managing over 200 people within your team. And we're talking musicians, sports staff, youth staff crew staff, uh, theater performers, technicians, you know, pretty much the entire entertainment world. And you're expected to be kind of like the HR manager. You're the, the show checker of the integrity, making sure everything's looking good, sounding good. And it really has changed over the years. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, completely. I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You're doing all that stuff. You're hosting the shows. You're creating the, the entertainment schedule. You're taking part in meetings every day. And uh, yeah, managing the supervisors. And on those big ships, you're talking about upwards of 20 managers and supervisors. So it is a massive undertaking. And yeah, I mean, uh, that's there's no way a cruise director could be in the show anymore. It just doesn't happen on those big ships. So yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think the cruise director goes suntans all day, Mingles with the ladies and drinks champagne. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I hate champagne. Um, the No, seriously, though. We work around 360 to 370 hours a month without a day off. So it just gives you kind of a little 
inkling of, of just how hard the cruise director works to give the guests the most professional um, shows and experience that they could have. Yeah, cruise directors are dedicated. They will nonstop. Make, you have to make it happen. The show must go on. That is how we live. And uh, the teams that we have under us do such an amazing job to help make it happen. And yeah, we do. We want the guests to have a great time. We love hearing about it. And it's like an addicting job. It's addictive because of the, uh, you know, the amazing experiences the guests have and what they tell you and being a part of all these fun theme nights and shows. It's uh, great, great to be. And I mean, I think that in the future, we're going to have a cruise director from the good old days who's going to tell us what it was like back then because sound tanning and drinking champagne and all that stuff, that, that did happen back in the day. Back in the day. What do you, uh, if you wanted to become a cruise director, could they essentially hire you off the street? Maybe you're coming out of a theatrical background in college or what's the process if somebody wants to be the cruise director on board a cruise ship? I mean, it's changed a little bit over time, but yeah, in the, in the days when I first started, we're talking about 17 years or so, you couldn't get a cruise director job. It was impossible. Now there's so many more ships coming out. So it's getting a little bit better for people to break into the industry. But most of the time you need to be, kind of promoted from within. There will be some cruise directors that get promoted from other cruise lines, but um, for the most part, you need to kind of work your way up because it is such a unique job. You're not just doing one thing. It's multiple things, but I've had a few people who reach out to me on Facebook who are in college and they want to become a cruise director. You know, you have to be able to manage the, you know, the back of house operation, planning, you know, uh, also hosting and seeing. So, you know, that uh, stuff like promotions, marketing, business background, being able to talk to people, not being shy to talk in front of a crowd or all the tributes that you need to work your way up into the role. Yeah. And you mentioned it, having somebody who can tell us a little bit about how it was, that is a great segue to welcome in our very first guest and I'll allow you to introduce her. She is one of the best out there. So friendly, so fun and uh, recognizes one of the most well-known cruise directors. It is Hello Chloe from Ireland, and she's joining us here today. She's going to tell us a little bit about what being a cruise director is all about and what we do, especially uh, when it comes to the past versus the present. Exciting. Yeah. Hello, Chloe. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? <laughs> hey, Chloe. Welcome to the show. Hi. Great to have you here, Chloe. Great to see you. Oh, First I don't know about that. <laughs> tell everybody where you're coming from. Hi everyone, I'm uh, coming from Southampton uh, in the UK and it's been nice weather the last few days, lovely weather over the Easter. Not that we went anywhere, but the, the back garden was lovely. Very good. Well, it's uh, completely different times right now for the cruise industry. We're excited to be able to do this show and have you as one of our very first ever guests. And we were talking about what it's like to be a cruise director and how the role has changed over the years. So if you don't mind, since you've been a cruise director for quite a, a long time, tell us a little bit about how the role has changed over the years. Oh my gosh, uh, so much, so much. But I'm so thrilled to be part of it and part of the community that it is. Um, but very quickly, I started quite young. Well, I was 19. I was 19 when I joined my first ship. And uh, like all of us, Mitch, was only doing it, of course, for one year just to see the world. Uh, never my intention to be cruise director. That just all kind of fell into place, I guess. And um, things have changed. Um, a lot of people say to me, you know, about, I suppose what I see the biggest change is, of course, the size of the ships. I mean, how big and huge they become. Um, my first cruise, my first cruise line that I worked for, maximum guests on board was 300. So wow. as you can appreciate, there's a bit of a jump on that now. So 
that for me has been the biggest. Um, of course, the equipment, the technology, and basically the size has been enormous. Really, absolutely such a change. Well, to put it into perspective, for some people that maybe haven't cruised before, that ship you were uh, alluding to, 300 guests now on Symphony of the Seas, where Mike recently was, the largest cruise ship in the world, one of the lifeboats holds 370 people. So that lifeboat is bigger than the entire ship where you started. It's pretty amazing to think about it. What's it, how much it, has you changed? Know what? It really is. It really is. And uh, and again, that's that's that just brings back the, the reality of it all and the, the changes that I've seen in the in the industry, you know. Now, earlier, Mike was saying that uh, we used to just ship, sip champagne all day long as a cruise director. Is that still, is that true? Or do you still get to have a drink every now and then? Um, that's, uh, that's just a myth. Um, however, <laughs> when on vacation, um, that Julie McCoy did us no favors. I tell you what, that Julie McCoy in the love boat going off getting the captain dates and, and drinks. Listen, there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. And having said that, um. I suppose what I'm cruise director now, I'm cruise director with Royal 20 years. Uh, before the year, probably 25 years I'm, I'm cruise director, 25, 26 years cruise director. Wow. And uh, uh, I was Shorex manager. I was DJ. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, so <laughs> many. Things. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't good at any of that. Well, I love being Shorex manager, to be fair. I did enjoy that. Chloe, can you talk a little bit about what it was like becoming a cruise director as a female in what was maybe back then more of a, a boys club or um, a male-dominated type of position? There weren't very many female cruise directors, and you have the longevity and obviously left your stamp on the industry because so many people out there know you and love you. Tell us what it was like in the early days, maybe coming up, because I'm sure a lot of people can relate in different industries, um, but maybe you tell us a little bit about that. Uh, your growing up and your growing pains, if you had any, or if it was really smooth. I mean, give us give us the lowdown. Do you know what? And I'm not, oh gosh, it's so hard. A lot of people ask me this. A lot of guests say to me, which I find unusual now when they say, Chloe, you're the first female cruise director we ever had. And but what, what a lot of people don't know is when I started, my first two cruise directors, 33 years ago, 30. 30 years ago were female cruise directors. And so when I first started in, let's say, cruise staff side of things, again, I never questioned it because it was a smaller company. So we only had, let's say, three, four ships. And two of the cruise directors were were female. So I never in my head thought, oh, this is male orientated, if that makes sense. And it was only when I kind of went to companies with more ships but less female cruise directors that I realized, okay, you know, it, it obviously is more male dominant. But because I started with two female cruise directors as my boss, and a big shout out if they happen to watch this, Marla fan, Frankie Ford. What was interesting was they really were, now looking back, I realized how wonderful they were and how supportive they were. But then when I did get into the role of cruise director, I, I think because I'd had the, the female cruise directors before I never questioned it I never really thought oh should I do this I just I just did what I did and as far as I'm concerned when you're given a job whether you're male female you either do the job and hopefully do it well or you don't you know and and I think you get caught out pretty quickly if you're not doing it well exactly yeah a lot of people know you know 
you gave the great advice to me. I still remember it. You know, your your best advice to me as a cruise director, because when cruise director or staff come in, they're trying to learn how to become a cruise director, what they might do. You know, the main, main thing is be yourself. And that's why I think you've had this great longevity. You're the same person off the stage as you are on. And I think, Mike, same thing for you. And a lot of people tell me that because I took your advice. Be yourself. You have to be yourself. And uh, that's one of the main reasons why, you know, you're able to excel for so long. Yeah, it, it's absolutely true. And what I just realized, Chloe, is that both you and I were both the cruise director of Mitch. Yes. <laughs> I blame you. <laughs> yeah, your fault, your fault. Now, Chloe, there was something else we wanted to ask you. A lot of people have a misconception. In every one of our podcasts, we like to talk about some of the misconceptions. And one of them that we're going to talk about now is that, you know, it's, it's tough to be on the ship away from your family, your friends for months and months at a time. And a lot of people feel sorry for the crew because we miss our family, especially those that have kids. And um, we just wanted to talk about it because you were not only able to be one of the best cruise directors as a lady, especially too out there. And a lot of people wanted to be a cruise director because of you, but you were able to continue uh, your family and raise a son at sea. Hardly anyone's ever done it. Not many people believe it's true. And we wanted you on the show to tell us that it is possible. You know what? I, I, I sometimes have to pinch myself and I, and I really don't want to make light of how fortunate I've been because I, you have to understand, you have to, the, the most important thing is I joined ships at 19 and Dave and I were married 10 years when I fell pregnant with Connor. So it's no secret. I had him at 40 and um, surprise. So what <laughs> it was, it would have been, I'm not going to lie. It would have been very, very difficult to suddenly then come, suddenly become a domestic goddess. Okay. This was not my, this is not how I've been. I am not someone that, adores cleaning or cooking i cannot cook and in fact as i'm chatting to you right now the boys are in the kitchen um making dinner but more importantly i realized while pregnant with connor that i was not ready to give all of this up i i loved i loved 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 what i did royal has been phenomenal they did not know i think initially oh well you know when she has the baby <laughs> she's going to stay at home she's you know she's going to want to be at home and you know no no, no, no. And can I tell you, I've learned a lot in this lockdown or lock in, as I like to call it. Um, I am not ready still to come home and be a domestic goddess. OK, Let, let's just lay that out there. Everyone posted all these pictures about what they've cooked and all these lovely cakes. And it's not happening in this house. Not happening. <laughs> I am where if the lifeboat pulled in for me right now, I would be back at sea. So I've been very lucky. I will also add, I was very lucky that my husband was prepared to take on the role as Connor's, um, obviously, tutor, you know, guider, supportive of me, knowing that I wanted to do what I wanted him to do. And a lot of people don't realize that. And I think you do have to have that a really strong partner in that. If, if someone's prepared to be there and it wasn't, it's not easy for him to travel with a child and be in the background and be in the cabin when I'm trying to obviously do my job and run in and out. Um, but he was very supportive of that. And that makes that makes a huge difference. Also, my contracts were as cruise director, not as long as a lot of the other the a lot of the other crew. And I've been at the other side. I've been a crew member. So I know my first contract on board a ship was one year. So as you know, our cruise director contracts are, are four months. So when I did have Connor up to the point of, I would say, his he turning eight, 
they were with me all the time. And then after that, I've kind of done more, a lot of the fills and everything just to make it work. It's amazing. What an amazing story. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, before we let you go, are you up for playing a little game? Mitch doesn't know this is coming. Are you up to playing a little game? I didn't know this was coming. So yeah. No, neither, neither of you. Okay. <laughs> so in a moment, we're going to talk about why ships are not registered or flagged U U.S. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give each one of you, I'm going to give you each one of you a name of a cruise line. You have to tell me where they are registered or where most of their ships are registered. If you don't get it right, the other person will get a chance to steal and it'll be worth two. So Chloe, would you like to go first or second? First. Great, Royal Caribbean. Uh, Bahamas. Correct. Mitch, Carnival. Bahamas. Incorrect, Chloe for the steal, Carnival. Um, they are in um, Grand Cayman. No, Panama, Panama. Back to you, Chloe. Holland, America. Bahamas. No, Mitch for the steal, two points. Malta. Netherlands, Netherlands. Mitch, That's your turn. Hard. Costa. Costa. Correct. Back over to Chloe. Chloe, princess. Oh, uh, UK? No, incorrect. Okay. Mitch for the steal. Bahamas. No, Bermuda. Bermuda. Begins with a B. We're back to we're back to Mitch. Mitch, celebrity. Our yeah, sister Bahamas. brand. Incorrect. Chloe for the steal. <laughs> Keep saying Bahamas eventually. Okay, Mitch. We have to stay at sea. This is terrible. <laughs> what one did you say? Celebrity. Celebrity. Um Oh, I've looked at the back of their ship so many times. Is that Nassau, Bahamas? No. No, Malta. 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 Yes. I had it. I had it before. Clo, uh, Norwegian, yeah. Norwegian, Norwegian cruise lines. Norway. No. Mitch. Bahamas. Correct <laughs> for two. Mitch. Oceana. You're not going to get it. Liberia. No. Nope. Liberia. What's wrong with you? Hello? Uh, I would say Bahamas. <laughs> no, Marshall Islands. And Maybe. finally. Oh, finally, and Liberia was such a bad guess. Marshall <laughs> Islands. Chloe, I'm, I'm going to make this worth double. Your oh, last yeah. one. Disney. Bahamas? That's correct. Tie game. Thank you, Chloe. Thanks for joining right. us today. No, guys, look after yourselves. Just stay safe, stay healthy, uh, washy washy, keep cleaning, and uh, sending love. And hopefully, we'll we'll see each other soon. Yeah, hopefully that'd be great. Thanks, Let's catch up in port. Take care. Say hi to the guys Let's, for us. We'll see you soon. Let's catch up in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. Take guys. care. How do I turn this thing off? Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, there she goes. Listen, um, I know we're running out of time because our next guest, I know, will talk as as much, which is exciting. And that is uh, why ships are 
U.S. or not U.S. flag. There's actually one U.S. flag cruise ship in the world, a major one, and that's the Pride of America, which belongs to NCL. But there's something which is called the Passenger Services Act, uh, which was formed in 1886, and uh, also more commonly known as the Jones Act, which essentially means you can't embark passengers in a U.S. port, go to another U.S. port, and then disembark them. If you do, that's like a $762 fine. And so that is why, and I'm sorry, and that is for non-US flagship. Your US flagship, absolutely, you can go from one port to the next, which is, uh, the detractors with that is of course that you have to have fully US crew. Uh, it's not the international crew that a lot of guests are used to. And it's difficult to find a lot of U.S. citizens and green card holders who will do some of the jobs that are on board a cruise ship. As evidence with NCL, they had actually two U.S. flagships and they had to go back to one. Mitch? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there's a lot of requirements. You also have to have the ship born uh, in the U.S. I mean, the NCL ships were partially created. Uh, there's no shipping yards in the entire United States that can make a cruise ship the size of, you know, the ones that are coming out these days. So, uh, it's also a lot more expensive, I would imagine. So there's a lot of different reasons, but yeah, you're right. Uh, the main thing about the crew, there's no way they can get that many crew. And I think part of the appeal for a lot of the guests is an international crew. So I'm not sure how well those ships would go over if it was a full crew from the United States. But yeah, you mentioned it. There used to be three of those ships and people just didn't like working that much. So now there's one. Yeah, and there, there are some benefits. So obviously having a U.S. flagship and being able to do those closed loop um, kind of U.S. sailings, which would mean you could start in Seattle, Washington and go up to Alaska without having to stop in Canada on the way back. Uh, you could do, you know, trips up and down the East Coast of the United States. So there are some benefits uh, to that. And of course, the big one, which is Hawaii, um, which is where they're sailing right now. So maybe and hopefully, fingers crossed, the cruise industry is always hoping that act will get pushed aside or at least stayed. Uh, you never know. You never know. Especially since, uh, yeah, it's uh, hundreds of years old now. So it could be possible. And, you know, there's a lot of those little cruise lines, little river cruises uh, in and around the U.S. that, that, that do it uh, because they're so small. But we uh, potentially can come back to this in a later episode. So if people have questions, they can send them to us. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Liberia. And uh, there is a backstory to it. You laughed about it. But there's definitely, I think, uh, if, if I recall correctly, most ships were registered in Liberia until there was some political drama and then they were all kicked out. I mean, there might be a cruise line registered in Liberia. Might begin with an R. <laughs> Listen, let's go and bring our next guest in. He's one of our favorite comedians. I've had an opportunity to work with him. He, of course, is an award-winning author as well. He's written numerous books and he's known for his seminar, You Just Have to Laugh, How to Laugh at Life's Most Difficult and Challenging Moments. We welcome to the podcast, Mr. David Naster, direct from Kansas City. You're talking, you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, my friend? I feel like, I feel like I'm, a, I'm a kid at the mall waiting for my mom to show up. I thought she forgot me. No, we didn't. <laughs> you were in the waiting room. It was, uh, yeah, thank you, doctor. <laughs> so for those, first of all, for those people that don't know, because we're recording this podcast, we're using Zoom. So. Take your gloves off, by the way, doctor. I'm not, I'm not here for that examination. <laughs> oh, man. Dave, it's great to have you here. Uh, we've worked together for many, 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 many years. Uh, you're somebody who I would say has the ability to 
always look at the bright side of, of things, make people laugh. Can you tell us how you got into the cruise industry and how loyal you were? And give us that story because you and I know the story and we could honestly, we could talk for hours and hours and hours based on this. Um, but tell us about how you got started within the cruise industry. <laughs> what I did, first of all, Mike, I'll tell you this, but first of all, if you get the master blaster here, social distancing is not a problem ever, ever again. This is this is this is amazing. I'm glad. And you know what? If you can't see this, then you just heard it. But there is a little art <laughs> machine there. Yeah, it's it's a little machine. It's a handheld. It's a handheld blaster. And I'm telling. I was at the store that I getting broccoli. This woman just stands right. In, she walks right in front of me with this distancing, and I, I gave her a blast, and she looked at me and goes, "Does broccoli make you do that too?" <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And then and then I was trying to get some water. Uh, I was, you know, I got, I'm, I'm so short. I, I'm reading up to get some water, and some guy came over to help me. And he's right next to me, and I uh, gave him the plaster. He just gave me a disgusting look and walked off. <laughs> so you know, Michael, you know, um, actually, I, I got started in the cruise industry because a guy by the name of Leo Silverman. You don't know his name. I didn't know. He saw me do a college show, and he called another cruise line. Can I mention the other cruise? Yeah, line? yeah, yeah. Go for it. Doesn't matter. So he called Sue Carper at Norwegian Cruise Line and said, you got to get this guy. And that was in 1988. Wow. Wow. And so I went on the ships and, and just had a great time. It was so much fun. I met you like 12 years later. And at that point, you were every cruise director. You were top on every cruise director's hit list. They wanted you on their ship um, all the time. You and L.B. Rose. I mean, I, I could name Sean Farquhar, Fred Clett. I mean, there was a group of about 10 people. And if you saw their names, including yourselves on the embark list and you're getting them, you got excited because you brought a different level of comedy, but also a different level of realism. What you do on the ships that you, especially you work with me on with your just have to laugh seminar is something that no other comic offers and no other comic could ever deliver on. Can you talk a little bit about that brand and what it means. Sure, you just have to laugh. And Mike, you know this because you've been a police officer. It's true. And you, and you know the value of humor. So what, what happens, what, what's happened with me is I had a guy one time that came up and thanked me for getting him to laugh because I actually had him on stage do something fun. This was not on a cruise ship, by the way. And he, he asked me, to, he, he said, thanks for getting me to laugh, man. And then he said, three months ago, my baby boy died. And I haven't found any joy in laughter since. And thanks for, for reminding me why. You just have to laugh. And that became my brand. I had no idea how humor and laughter help people. So I started interviewing people and that's what happened. And the more that I started, and then I started doing the presentation on ships, you know, for matinee shows. How can humor and laughter help you get through a difficult time? And, and, and it, it can help you, you, you get through any difficult time. You, if you want to play around with it now and give me a difficult time, you tell me and I can come back at you how you get through it. Okay, Alzheimer's, I'll take that. <laughs> You didn't say it, but, but people would come up and tell me these stories. One of the things you go, you start getting older and people you love and care about get Alzheimer's and you don't know how to deal with that. The one thing you don't want to do ever, ever, ever is argue with them because, because you just can't, you're not laughing at them. You're laughing at the effect that disease creates. I don't mean to get too heavy, but that's what it is. So let me give an example. A woman's with her mom in hospice and she goes, mom, how are you today? And the mom said, oh, I'm miserable. I've had so much pain 
for my hysterectomy surgery. And she goes, mother, you never had a hysterectomy. And she goes, I did too. It was before you were born. <laughs> so you have to appreciate the moments when it happens. So, so I will start to, oh, here, here's one of the best stories, Mike and Mitch, you guys don't know about this one. I'm on a ship and a woman comes up to me afterwards and she's in a wheelchair. Her, her, her son's pushing a wheelchair and she goes, you are one of the funniest people I've ever seen in my life. I just, I just had the best time with you. And, and, and I said, ma'am, you have a beautiful smile. She goes, well, I should, I should, I have the best implants money can buy. <laughs> I'm thinking, David, look at her eyes. Don't look down. Look at her eyes. Don't look down. <laughs> and then her son, her son said, mother, tell him they are dental implants, mother. <laughs> Mike, the question you asked me earlier, what makes it different, what I do, is I'm very playful with the audience. You guys both know this. I make the audience part of the show. Yep. The audience is a show. I don't stand up there and do comedy. I can, but to me, I want to get them involved in it. And, and Mike, when you first met, you know, people came to my show late. I had the DJ put on music and I made them dance down the aisle. Yep. <laughs> So th that's what I like to get people. And the reason I love about what I love about working on a cruise ship and, and you guys, by the way, I've been doing this bit for a long time. So we, so you get off and on the ship and you do the hand sanitizer because you don't want to bring, you know, disease on it to get sick. And so people walk in with their key card and they walk in and they say, washy, washy. And what do they do with the key card? And they're out. That's the beauty of working on a cruise ship to me, because you watch things like that. And then that night I can go on stage and talk about it. Yes. So I, I, I develop a show that everybody there, they know what I'm talking about. Cause they talk about what we're doing every day. Yeah. And uh, you said it, Mike, it's really cool. Like David, you worked with Mike for quite a while. Uh, I just meet, recently met you in the last year or two and had you on Anthem of the Seas over and over again and I did get to see your seminar and it's so cool it's for the guests that get to see you do the show it's such a great show that's why you're there to see a comedy show but then to surprise them and do a seminar on how to laugh at life's moments and get through uh, get through situations is so different and you see people walking out of the seminar and they come up to you after I've seen it and uh, it's just life-changing for some people so it's amazing thank that you, you Mitch. you know I Thank you, buddy. And, and my, Mike, you've seen it. Mitch, I don't know if you've seen it. I have stood afterwards talking to people. I've literally stood there for two hours because people line up and, and they want to they want to tell me their stories, how humor and laughter help them get through. And, and what I do to bring this in with the ship, because the last thing people expect when they come on a ship is to hear, what's this guy talking about? How you get through difficult times? That's why it's so great to offer it after they see me as a matinee show. Yeah. So, hey, if you guys want to see it, come on in and we're glad to do it. Because everybody goes on vacation to get away from their problems. And I tell them this. And I said, but you're going to go home from this holiday and your, your, your problem's going to be at the front door going, I thought you would never come back. Thank you. <laughs> so, so I tell them, you just have to laugh. It's a vacation from the emotions that paralyze you. That's what laughter does. And Mike, you know that being a police officer the stress you went through. Yeah, you know, you deal with situations, you deal with people on the worst day of their lives, absolutely. And you know, they probably don't wanna see you and you're there to give them nothing but assistance and help. And I mean, you know, you and I have had a lot of personal conversations about that and you've certainly helped me get through and kind of look at things in a different way. Here's a question for you. Everybody's sitting here watching this, the middle of April going, okay, funny man, we're going through a pandemic around the world. 
people are dying all over the place. How, where's, where can we, how can we look at this and make it, you know, kind of, it's, it's a difficult thing right now. Let's, let's stick with the stuff we do every day that we talked about before. Here's the thing. There's nothing funny about people dying. Let's make that clarification right away. Yeah. There's nothing funny about that. What you do is find some joy in the day-to-day stuff. I mean, before when I used the toilet paper, it used to be like the Wheel of Fortune wheel, man. I'm spinning it and taking as much. Now it feels like I'm trying to crack a safe. No pun intended on the crack. But I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get every little piece oh, God. so we can make it work. <laughs> So, so no, no, I no, no, I don't mean that. I mean in, in, in doing the thing. No, I didn't mean that. I wasn't. I, that's not my style to be crude in that way. But also, and then you know you have homeschooling in my neighborhood. All these people in here, and there's kids in their own house calling in bomb threats. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to go to school. One kid, one kid even said, he said, "I want a new teacher next year. I don't want the same teacher." <laughs> no doubt. So see what I mean, Mike. What I'm saying is, you find a way with the stuff that's happening to laugh. I mean, right now, you know, I'm single. So I'm in classified ads now. So that's what I'm putting man with rolls of toilet paper seeking woman with lots of soap for good, clean fun. It sounds corny, but see, you make jokes about it. When you make jokes about that or the thing I did about the key card in the mouth and do that, you make jokes about it. All of a sudden, you own the emotion. The emotion doesn't own you. You're you're laughing because you, you have to get through it. Yeah. Sometimes you laugh because it's not funny. You know that as a cop. Yeah. You're not la- you're not laughing because that happened. You're laughing so you can go back and run the next call and do your job. Yes, sir. And you've done a lot of presentations for law enforcement. Oh yeah, I was I was a I was a first and only guy. I've been there twice to ever go to Ferguson. I went to Ferguson, Missouri after that whole crazy thing when, when that when that man was shot. Wow. And I met the family and I met I met the uh, uh, the police officers and did a show to bring the community and law enforcement together. Absolutely. That's what laughter does. So, uh, you, you know, and, and I've been on ships before with, uh, um, you know, I was and Mike, you, I don't think you guys were on there, but last year we hit Tampa last last spring and it was foggy and we couldn't get in. And so we're supposed to be in the seven in the morning, two o'clock in the afternoon. We're still sitting out there. We haven't even begun to hit the bay yet because it's foggy. So what do I do? I go right to the cruise director and said, put me on, give me the mic. I want to go do a show, how humor and laughter can help. I was uh, with, uh, with uh, Johnny Blair in, in Katrina. We're up in Halifax coming back, really rough seas. The shows were canceled. The things were canceled. And I said, give me the mic. Let's do it. You just have to laugh talk in the afternoon. The people that want to get out, we got to find a way to get through this. So that's why I love doing this, especially on the ships. It's a great matinee show. Yeah. And everybody has a good time. And I also let them know as I also let them know as our guests, as our guests on Royal Caribbean, I'm going to offer you something that you've never seen before. I let them know what they're about to see, and I said, if you feel uncomfortable or it's not your cup of tea, I understand you can get up and leave. I'm I'm offering this to say, here's how to get through it. I never get anybody to get up and leave. This is the truth. I've seen it yep. dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Yeah. What about um? What about sports? Can we get back to any kind of normalcy, like, listen, you're, you're talking to a guy who, when I come on vacation, I go to sporting events, I play sporting events, I do everything, and I, I, I look at you, and, and we've had conversations. There's a few sports that I think that we could get back at. NASCAR? <laughs> NASCAR, with a beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they do. That's all they do in NASCAR. People all day long in the stands. <laughs> 
they scream and holler, get drunk, can't find what they're looking for. And they do that one finger every time. Woo, they get that finger every time they're, they're not bleeding. And if somebody takes over in the new leader, there's a whole different finger that comes out for that next time. <laughs> See, I think they should make NASCAR. Uh, I think they should really make NASCAR really sport with the beer concession in the middle of the track and make people go across the track to get the beer. Now we got a sport. And then you got odds. Then you got odds in Vegas. You got odds in Vegas. Okay. Will they get across? Will they not get across? Will they have to, it's basically a game of Frogger going on between a race. Is what you got. Frogger. Boy, there's a, there's a reference for some people who will never get that one. <laughs> Mitch won't get it. <laughs> Too young. <laughs> Mitch, how, Mitch, how old are you? Just turned 41. So not that young. Not that young. Oh, oh no, you're not. But I, I've been doing comedy now 43 years, Mike. I'm in my 43rd year. Wow. Wow. 43 years for make, making people laugh for a living. Now, and you know, a lot of people now, because of social distance, it's not social distancing, it's physical distancing. What is this? <laughs> we make up all these words that don't make any sense. It's physical distancing. You're staying physically in a way. Folks, if you're still having trouble, people getting too close, uh-huh. and that'll get them away from <laughs> right there. Now, you've got, folks, you're selling these, right? Yeah, he does. It, he, on, oh, I, oh, yeah, I got a buttload of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, you have, last time you were on Anthem, you sold out of those right away. I mean, people love them. They're, they're fantastic. <laughs> oh, they love them. They, they love them. They're, 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 they're good fun. And like I told them, you, the elevator comes down, and there's people on the elevator, not no more. You get in, they're out, you're up. It's just that simple. There you Thank go. You <laughs> it's not easy to get a private elevator on a cruise ship, so now you know a little trick. <laughs> now, now you can with an Astro Blaster. So, they, you, you know... Go ahead. Go ahead. Mike. I was just going to ask you because entertainers, you're the first entertainer that we've had on the podcast. We've had a cruise director, an activities manager, and you're one of our first entertainers. And I know this is affecting entertainers, you know, across the country, North America, and around the world. Mm-hmm. Are we going to get back to it? Yeah, of course we are. You, you, we know. We all know this. We all know this. We've been on cruise ship for years. There's not a safer place to be. People on cruise ships, we've had to deal with this for years of keeping people clean from whether it's a, the, the, you know, the Norwalk virus and any kind of gastrointestinal, anything like that. That you know, you, you got to keep people clean. And so I was actually on the ship the first, I was on the Adventure of the Seas the first week of March when everything started happening and people knew about it. So the cruise director came on and, and the captain, wash your hands, do this. Everybody was doing it. Nobody got sick. It's just business as usual and just pay attention. Yes, soon. I think it's going to be sooner than people think. And people are going to come on with a whole new attitude of, you know, don't, don't, of course, the buffets are probably going to be different, but don't start eating food off your plate and then grab a thing on the thing and start using it again because, you know, that's how you can get sick. Yeah, yeah it's going to come back. It's going to be better and stronger than ever. Yeah, I'm not worried about that at all. Good stuff. Yeah, people just have to refocus on what's important and how to stay safe. And hopefully it'll all go away as quick as uh, it started. I'm having a great time. You know, I just uh, got done uh, the second uh, edit of my, um, of my You Just Have to Laugh, The Meaning of Life book. I'm writing a new book now on love. And so I take all this downtime. As a, see, as an entertainer, we're used to the downtime. I think that's what you're referring to, Mike. We're used to the downtime. I've got downtime. So I can either be on a ship right now or I could be here at home because I'm usually by myself writing, working, doing stuff. And, and for entertainers, especially for young entertainers, listen to Uncle Dave for a second. Save your money <laughs> for events like this. Save your money. Yep. I mean, I save money. I do this because as an entertainer, we know this could happen at any time. So save your money. So right now, 
I'm not freaking out by the grace of God. I've saved money doing stuff. I'm getting stuff done. I concentrate now on just what I can do. What can I do? So Mike, you've probably seen it too. It is every day I'm putting, you just have to laugh things out up there. I'm putting one minute videos, one little things out there. The podcast, I just interviewed a guy, a 99 year old Marine got through world war II. Wow. His name is Max. Now Max, ladies and gentlemen, has a coronavirus, is in a hospital here in Kansas City, and he's almost healed from it. Wow. 99 years old. There you go. Amazing. Hey, listen, let's play some word association. I'm going to call out an entertainer or a cruise director, and I want you to give me first thought that comes to your mind. I'm going to give you some. No, it matters because Royal Caribbean books me. (laughs) (laughs) So if you give me a cruise director, I'm going to say, love them the best. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Mark Preston. Uh, magnificent. One of a kind. Denny Anderson. Denny Anderson, the funniest and the most direct cruise director I've ever met in my life. Not the funniest. I'm, I'm, I take that back. Denny, Denny is the most, um, uh, yes, one word. Um, um, the best. It's the best cruise director I've ever worked. L.V. Rose. Magnificent singer, entertainer. Nice. John Blair. Blonde hair. <laughs> does he Neil dye Diamond. that hair? I still don't. Does he? Does he? Does he? <laughs> Neil Diamond, John Blair. <laughs> yep. George Solomon. Uh, magnificent entertainer. You remember? I haven't. I haven't heard or seen George in. in... Jo- George is George is out with Royal. He does maybe one every three months. Oh, although what a night. Amazing. But he's not doing a solo act. Nice. Uh, Adrian Lewis, cruise director. Out of touch. Never talked to him. No out of touch. Oh, oh, you don't. I thought you guys would have worked together quite a bit. Not he's out of touch. Oh, yeah. I'm out of touch with Adrian. Ah, did I mention, did I say John Farentino? Farentino. (laughs) That's Farentino. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Any last words you have for us, Mr. Nasser? Words of wisdom. Yeah, keep laughing. Find a way to laugh. Find a way to get through it. Find a way to get joy in your life. And I know that sounds try and do it. But see, again, the, the more that you find a way to laugh and the more you find a way to think funny, because people go, you have to, you know, you have to have humor in the workplace. No, you don't have humor in the workplace. You have more humor in your headspace. You have to think funny. So when something happens to you or something happens that's a bit of odd, if you can turn it around and make it funny, you're going to get through it. Amazing. And just because it's serious doesn't mean we can't laugh at it. And just because we're laughing at it doesn't mean it's not serious. Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Naster. Appreciate your time. Thanks, David. Thank you, guys. Hey, David, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you online? They want to get your book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yjhtl.com. Yj, and you just have to laugh.com. They can get my book and talk to me. Hey, man, I have 32 episodes on my web series. Free. The first guy you're ever going to meet on my web series is, is Patch Adams, the real guy. He invited me to his home. Wow. He wanted to be a part of this series, the real guy. And he talks about things about what he does in his life. He's a magnificent man. We have, we have things, Mike. We have one just on cops and paramedics. We have one just on uh, uh, PTSD, folks get in the military, depression, suicide. The first four episodes are on bullying, 
how you get through all that. One of our uh, uh, videos got implemented at MD Anderson and to get through cancer, how you laugh through cancer. So uh, uh, this is a ministry for me. I love doing this. But you can go to the website with the podcast, listen to it, and do it. It's all free, and it's there for you, folks. You know, it's it's there for you. There was a guy. Can I can I finish up with this story, you guys? Sure can. This is you want to keep this in. This is brilliant. A guy by the name of Bob Martin. Bob Martin, he took over a retirement center in Wichita, Kansas. And we went in there and said, David, the whole place was drab. The whole place was drab. He said, I found some really cool paint in the back room and had all my employees repaint the whole thing in, excuse me, in bright colors. Then I had them to get a paycheck. They had to come in and tell me a funny story. If they did not tell me a funny story, I would not give a paycheck. I said, come on, man. You didn't really do that. He goes, no, I did. You bring a funny story. I made them look for the humor. One woman came and told them, this guy named Eric, he was 81 years old. I'm sorry, my nose itches, and I just can't avoid it anymore. I'm sorry, it just itches. <laughs> I'm not lying. People say when your nose itches, I'm not. Anyway, Eric is 82 years old. He's having a physical relationship with another woman in the retirement center, and they had to go in and say, you can't do that anymore. And he said, why? And he said, because she has Alzheimer's and she doesn't know what she's doing. And this old boy said, the hell she doesn't. <laughs> now, the point of that story, it goes with all we're talking about, is Bob Martin said, David, humor is like that paint that I had stored in the back room. It's no good if you don't use it. Yes, sir. Yep. Well, thank Good you. Stuff. We will we'll be in touch, and I hope to get you on one of my ships in the very near future. Yep. I'll be, I want to be there, man. I'll see you guys out there. It's going to be sooner than later, I guarantee it. And one more thing before we go. <laughs> Keep blasting. <laughs> all right. Take care. See ya. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, Mitch! What Good a great guy. Stuff. Good stuff. Good guy. And like, I never worked with them until this year. So you know, you well. First of all, we're going to talk a little bit more about us in the next couple episodes, especially about your story because you have such a unique story going from working on ships to living out your dream as a police officer to coming back to ships. But you know a lot more people for a lot longer. As I'm a little bit new, more new into the game than you, but uh, he's great to have. You you know. We, we talked the other day on the phone because obviously I invited him for this podcast and literally three hours later, we're still talking on the phone, like lots of, uh, lots of good stories, lots of good fun. And I mean, he's got a story for everything. I mean, truly, truly, I could have named any sport and he would have had a 20 minute bit on it. Um, just a funny guy. Yeah. And you know, that's the kind of exactly the kind of attitude we want to have at this time right now. You know, it's uh, uncertain times and it's fun and it is true. You can make things fun, you know, uh, being at home and you can always try to find a way to laugh. So it's great. Good choice for the second episode. We're going to get into the next couple episodes, but we were talking about next episode. We wanted to do a couple things and people always ask. It's one of the main questions we get. And I think that's part of our series here on this podcast is always uh, answering some of the top questions we get. One of them is, what is your favorite port? Now, it's hard to say. Are you mean, do you mean the Caribbean? Do you mean the Mediterranean? So for next episode, we're going to talk about our favorite home port as where the ship's home port is for a season. Amazing. Yeah, I look forward to it. You know, this was one of our shorter episodes. Yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> but it's good. You know, you get two different points of view, two different people checking in. Everybody's doing well everybody's mentally ready to get back to work and you can tell every guest that we've had on board and we, we do, we don't prompt them to say what they're going to say. We just go and they're like, yes, we're ready to go back. It is the safest place to be. We are ready to give that amazing product and we're ready to go. I know I'm ready. You ready? Exactly. Yep. Oh yeah. Amazing.
All right, everybody, take care. See you next time.